0: Hello, and welcome to the Lazy Parenting Podcast hosted by me, Stephanie Kennedy, the self-proclaimed OG lazy parent. Every week, we're going to dive deep into the concept and methodology of lazy parenting, and I'll share all of my tips and tricks and strategies to help support you in this crazy journey of parenting that we are all on. So listen in. Implement the strategies and watch as your children become more independent, more capable, more self-reliant in all of their things. You'll be amazed as you watch their confidence grow and they become happy, joyful, kind, empathetic young adults ready to head off on their own, living their true purpose. Sounds exciting, right? So let's go. Let's all become lazy parents. Welcome back to season two. Of the Ladies Parenting Podcast. I am super excited to be here and be back and to share with all of you the Ladies Parenting Community some tidbits and tricks and tips so that we can teach our children to become independent, self-reliant, amazing kids and for us to stop yelling and screaming and crying so much in our day-to-day life. So I'm excited to be back. Today we're going to jump right into it and yes, I am videotaping, recording this podcast from inside my car because if you're a mom like me with four kids, then you are too spending large mar- large amounts of your time out and about driving kids all over. So I'm in the car I got a on because it's winter and it's cold and my son is out at track practice. So without any further delay, let's get into today's topic. And today's topic is how in this time of craziness, right? We are now, what? It started in March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, seven months. Seven months into this pandemic. And who knew that this was going to be our world, right? Parenting these kids who have had a lot thrown at them. I don't know about you, but changes in schedule, going to school, but not really going to school, not going to school for a large part of time, being home with you for a large amount of time, um, your own work, how are you navigating? If you have a job outside the home, have you transitioned that to be inside the home? How are you and your partner divvying duties if you have a partner? If you are a solo parent, how are you handling all of this? Do you have help? Oh my gosh, there's so much that has gone on in the last seven months. But we are seven months in so I feel like everybody should be into some kind of a groove with new schedules new tactics new expectations of your kids of what you're expecting from them during this time all of that all of the above so today we're gonna dive back into some fundamental pieces of becoming a lazy parent and again that is my goal for you my goal for you is to use some of these tactics that I share with you to become a lazy parent, which means you are not doing everything for your child, that they are learning to become self-sufficient. They can take care of themselves. They can make themselves breakfast, get up, get dressed, that they're taking responsibility for their schoolwork, for what they're getting done, what they're not getting done, what kind of grades are they getting, that they are taking responsibility to remember their cleats or their two colors of uniform when they go to a soccer game, that kind of stuff. That's what being a lazy parent is all about to release some of that stress that you might be feeling that is on you and helping your child become that person because they're going to have to do that at some point. My oldest just went off to university this fall. She darn well better know how to do all of the things, take care of herself. I am not there to remind her to study for tests, to do her laundry, to go grocery shopping, to make sure she eats, to make sure what she eats. All of those are things that our children have to eventually know how to do by the time they're 17 or 18 years old, because I really, really do hope that you are on the same page as me. If you are listening to my podcast, you probably are, but that means we do not want our children living with us when they are 24, 25, 26. We want them off into the world, hopefully never to come back. I say that with love and kindness in my heart. So today we're going to talk about 10 ways. I'm going to give you 10 tips on how to become a more positive and present parent during this time, because we might have been a little bit within ourself over the last couple of months, just trying to survive. I mean, our kids are pretty demanding though. They probably insisted that you pay them attention. Um, And if you haven't been, then I imagine that your household right now is a little bit crazy, that maybe their behaviors have gone like that, like have crashed and burned over the last seven months and that you might be really, really struggling um, with some behaviors that you didn't have before. And so this is a little wake up call, maybe a little invigoration to get things back on track before 2021 hits us. So let's, it's October, right? We've got three months to make a difference in how things are running in our house. And I've got 10 tips that if you start using them No, parenting does not make changes like instantaneously. It takes time. You have to start with these behaviors. And if they're brand new things that you're doing or expectations that you're putting on your children that they've never had before, oh my gosh, of course, they're going to like possibly revolt and be like, what the hell? And not know how to handle this new and improved you. So as a mom or a dad or whoever you are that's in charge of running your running the day-to-day operations of your household. So we're gonna talk about 10 pretty basic tips that I think hopefully you're just needing a reminder to in order to see some success in your family. So tip number one, and this one speaks true. Let your best be good enough. What does that mean? It means that we have to let whatever it is that we are doing, our very best effort in parenting, be good enough not putting too much pressure on us that we screwed up we don't want to focus on the mistakes that we've made we will always make mistakes in parenting i make them on the daily i just on the way here i raised my voice at my son and i'm like Ugh. and then he raised his voice at his brother and then oh my god right Like but it starts with me, my children's, if there was one thing that I can try to make sure that all of you understand is that your children, and this is, this is a truth nugget that might be hard to swallow or that you might have a hard time hearing, and it is this, in most cases, your children's poor behavior, their acting out, their aggression, their behaviors that are causing you stress and trouble are because of you. My kid yelled because I yelled. I escalated the situation. Then he escalated the situation. And then I had to bring that situation back down. It's our, I always say this, like parenting is the mirror into us. All of our insecurities, all of the things that we've struggled with in our life, they come out, boom, 100, 200% bigger in our children. All of those things. So again, making sure that we, as the parent are on top of all of this stuff and taking full responsibility because if you don't take responsibility for your behavior as a parent and you don't understand that it's your behavior that has led to the problems you're having with your children, then you're not going to get any better. This isn't going to fix. You're going to play, woe is me. You're going to play the victim card. You're going to throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't know how to do this. And things are just going to get worse and worse and worse and your relationship with your child is going to suffer and like your marriage is going to suffer your partnership, whoever you're raising your kids with, all of that's going to go to hell in a handbasket. So first things first, as is with everything in life, your health, your fitness, your parenting, your business success, all of that, you have to take a hundred percent responsibility for that because until you do that, you're not going to be able to make a change. I went off on a tangent a little bit there, But that is what this first point is about. Being kind to yourself though, knowing that those failures, those mistakes, are totally normal. And as parents especially, we will screw up all the time. All the time I make mistakes. And as long as I recognize, and again, the trick is, what I think what we're trying to do is shorten, shorten the time between us making the mistake and us realizing it was a mistake. And I feel like now in my parenting after, what is it, 19 years, that time space is smaller and smaller. I more immediately know, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Versus in the olden days when my kids were little, 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 and I only had one or two of them, it took me longer to understand or recognize that, oh, that was my fault. I need to go apologize or I need to rectify the situation. I need to get out of the power struggle that I'm having with my child. I'm the adult. They are the child. So... That is step number one, letting your best be good enough. And I'm just looking at my notes while I talk to make sure I don't miss anything. So if you see my eyes go down, that's what it is. For those on the podcast, I'm also videotaping this for my YouTube channel. So you can go and watch me on in person, or you can listen to it while you're out for a walk or while you're doing dishes or cleaning the house. So again, remember, step number one is let your best be good enough. And what does that mean? That means letting go of the mistakes that you have made so you can move forward. Making sure that you know, okay, I screw that up, next time I'm going to do better. Next time I'm going to leave the room and go calm myself down in the bathroom with the door locked before I come back out. I'm going to be speak with a calmer, softer voice when I'm um, trying to get the attention of my child instead of yelling and escalating the situation. Remember, your children will, will, in most cases, mirror you. Mirroring is a psychological fact. People will mirror you. So if you're trying to de-escalate a situation, you need to bring your voice down. You need to take some breaths and be calm and then try it again with the kids. So that's number one. Let your best be good enough. Promise me. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Move on from it. Number two, make eye contact. I talk about this a lot of time. I talk about how when your child comes home from school or preschool or you go to pick them up from preschool, that if you can do nothing else, put your phone away, get on their level, open your eyes really wide and smile at them when you first see them. You will notice a tremendous immediate reaction from your children. It changes things tremendously. When my kids come home from school, I put down the phone, I look up, I go get them, I give them a hug, I look them in the eye and I say, "Oh my gosh, I missed you. How was school today?" And then we engage in a conversation. That is the easiest way to get reconnected with your tween or teen. I do it with my teenagers, I do it with my university student. I always like talk to them and look them in the eye and give them my full attention at that moment so make more eye contact now this is a bit more expansive too I don't just mean like in that moment I mean anytime your child is trying to get your attention or talk to you the first time this is important the first time making sure that you stop what you're doing I mean as long as they're not being rude and interrupting you in a conversation because that's another parenting strategy like we have to teach them manners and all of that sort of thing. But if you're making dinner and they come up to you or you're doing something, if you possibly can, stop what you're doing for a moment. The first time they come to you, turn and look at them and make eye contact with them. Super, super important. Children have two buckets that they want filled in a day and almost all child misbehavior comes from one of those buckets not being full full enough. Number one bucket is attention bucket. They need at your attention they crave attention and to be quite frank they don't care if it's good attention or negative attention and so if you don't respond to that first inquiry with you in a positive way they're just going to keep coming back at you and until it escalates all the way to them screaming and crying and throwing a tantrum in order for them to get your attention and when we don't give them the attention that the positive attention in the beginning we are just reinforcing negative behaviors because they're going to keep doing that and then they're going to escalate to that negative behavior if they know that that always gets your attention and when they're polite they don't always get your attention well then they're going to be rude and get your attention immediately when they want it i'll talk about the second uh, bucket in a little bit so that's number two make more eye contact number three speak calmly and even when even sorry speak calmly and I would argue quietly, even when you want to explode. If you are a teacher following me and a parent, you know this strategy very well. Um, This is like one of the number one parenting strategies. Always lower your voice and speak calmly. I do this when I coach, I do this when I parent, I did this when I taught. It works wonders and it gets the attention of the children right away. Especially if you have been a yeller, if you've been yelling and they're used to that behavior from you, if you change it and you start to get calm, I mean, they're going to pay attention to you. <laughs> One of my children, this is kind of funny, I don't even raise my voice and they're like, don't talk to me so angrily. And literally, I'm talking calmly and slowly to them. And they're like, don't yell at me. And I'm like, this is not yelling, baby. You Trust me, you would know if I was yelling at you. I think that's funny. I think that shows that they're used to me talking in a calm, slow, slow, calm, low, slow voice, even when I'm really angry. Like I said before, this is like 80% of the time. I also have had those moments when I blow up, but I try not to do that as much as possible. Okay, number four. This is, um, you know, during COVID time and during where we're all at in the world right now. Number four is leaving some time unscheduled in their day. Kids need some time to decompress. All of the kids. Our babies, our toddler, I mean not infants obviously, toddlers, tw- um, school-aged kids, tweens, teenagers, us, we all need time in our day, a little bit of time in our day where there's some unstructured time for all of us to do what it is that we want to do. I don't know about you, but for sure over these last seven months are my kids are on their phones using video games technology way I don't know if it I guess it is way more than it was before because they have so many more hours in the day. I mean, my high school kid is only going to school for what, three hours a day when he used to go for six hours a day. So that alone freeze up more time in his day. And if your family is like my family and your city is like my city, school sports are, we don't have any school sports going on. So they're missing out on that and not able, like they're missing that whole hole in their schedule that they would have had before. Our community sports are back up and running. So like I said, I'm at track practice right now. My daughter's cheerleading. My, my business is back up and running. There is um, soccer back up and running. So there are some things, but depending on what your child is doing as an extracurricular curricular activity, they might not be having that right now. So there is, I would say, probably more unstructured time in our children's lives than there ever was before. But if you are back full throttle into the way things were before COVID hit, just making sure you understand that it's okay for them to have some downtime and they need that downtime. Um, and I also wanna encourage you, if regardless even of how old your child is, I was gonna say this is more for like if you have toddlers and school-aged children, but is to find that unscheduled time where you can give your child some one-on-one attention. This is extremely important if you are struggling with your child's behavior. If your child's behavior is really challenging right now and lots of things are going on, that attention bucket needs to be filled. And the easiest way to fill it, other than what I've talked about already, is to schedule some time with them one-on-one so whether that's depending on the age of your child sitting down with them on the floor and doing a puzzle whether that's coloring with them at the kitchen table whether that is um reading to them at nighttime before they go to bed like it doesn't have to be something new necessarily it just needs to be more focused probably if you have slide like shied away now and you're not reading as many books to them at nighttime or you're not spending quality like one-on-one I mean I have four kids so like when they were little, like trying to get to every kid's bedroom to read them each stories when my husband wasn't home. Yeah, that was, (laughs) that was a lot of time. And that was challenging for sure. If you have a partner and you can split those duties, yay, yay, yay. If you can't, then it does take more effort, but again, you can only do what you can do. So you're doing your best job. However, that looks like in your family, but that one-on-one time, making sure they have some unscheduled time, those are important. And so that was tip number four. Tip number five is touch. Can you focus on holding your child more, giving them more touch? Now, even when they're teenagers, even when they're young adults, if they're living with you, we are human beings. We all need physical touch in order to feel kind of complete and loved and cherished. That is a desire that our children have. And sometimes in our day, if you really were to think about it, how much did you actually sit in close proximity to your child that day? How much, you know, how much did you actually get to spend, you know, rubbing their back or playing with their hair or giving them hugs or giving them kisses or tickling them on the floor? Human touch is a necessity, and when our children are deprived of that human touch, we're gonna see some negative behaviors come out because, again, that's part of that attention bucket. Um, it's also part of this need to feel wanted. This, I, this feeling of being an important part of your family, important part of your life as their parent. They know that they're important to you when you spend the time with them and you touch them and you hug them and you kiss them. And they're not getting that, you know, if they don't get it from you, this is my theory with young girls, like if they're not getting it at home from you or from your husband or from a male in their life that's safe, obviously, um, where are they going to go to get that touch? And I would rather that they got it at home from us than going to seek Um, other relationships or other ways that are maybe unhealthy for them to be getting that physical touch. So that's tip number five. Tip number six, use positive self-talk. This is really, really important. Use positive self-talk. Talk about you. How are you talking about yourself in front of your children? Are you struggling right now with um, your diet or your exercise and feeling not all that great in your skin right now? Are you feeling really tired all the time? Are you feeling like you can't move? Are you Do you look at yourself and just shake your head and go, oh my God. Ugh. If that's the case, I would argue there's things you can do to improve that that will have an immediate effect. It's moving your body daily for 30 minutes, if nothing else, going for a walk, will change your mindset, will change your daily habits, and will set you on the path to getting your health and your fitness under control. But I'm talking about like, it is so important that your kids do not hear you say things like, oh, I'm so stupid, or oh, I was never good at math, or oh, I can't do this, or oh, these jeans make me look fat, or oh, I can't eat that cookie because the cookie's gonna make me be fat. Like a lot of it is about body image as women, but it's also about the things that I just said, like about being smart and about being able to fix things in your house. So I can't fix the, the leaky sink. I don't know how, like being very self-deprecating or being very like, I don't know what to do. I need someone else to help me. <laughs> Try to be that person. Find ways. There is an answer for everything on the internet. You just have to YouTube it and you will figure out how to change or fix anything in your house pretty much. And so teaching your if your children see you doing that, they will see that as a valuable life skill and they will start to be able to do that themselves. They will find ways to fix things. But that self-talk about yourself is so, so important. We do not want our children listening to us talk poorly about ourselves. And I would say if you are one of these people who who struggles with this, I get that this is probably one of the most difficult things to change. I do. I understand that. I have people in my life who don't even know that they're doing this and I just, I see it. And I see how quickly it comes out of their mouth or how quickly they revert to, oh, it was my fault or, oh, I couldn't do it or... I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I, oh, that was my fault. Or for, you know, they always are apologizing for themselves. Stop apologizing for yourself. You don't need to apologize for yourself. You are who you are. Embrace the strengths you have and then work on the weaknesses that you have. That's all we all can, all we all can do is work towards being a better version of ourselves every single day. And that is especially true in parenting, just a little bit better every day. So that was tip number six. Tip number seven. This is an important one. We need to, as parents, emulate kindness. We have to demonstrate to our children what it means to be kind. We need to show all the time when we're out, when we're driving, if somebody cuts us off and we're like, you stupid driver, you don't know how to drive. We're not showing our children kindness, we're showing them that we think that that behavior is acceptable and that that's what they're gonna do. If we are in the grocery store lineup and someone um, is rude and we don't first try to always think about that person's perspective. We're not teaching our children to always think about the other person's perspective just to have empathy, just to have some understanding. It doesn't mean that what that person is right, it doesn't mean it was right for that person to cut in front of me. But what I could say and say is wow, I bet you that guy's having a bad day. Like there's an answer. When you're mad at somebody's done you wrong and your children are around go there. I just gave you a line. Ooh, looks like that guy had a bad day. Looks like she's having a hard time. And just let, teach your children through modeling that kindness is what makes the world work. And I get it that in the world today, there is not a lot of kindness being shown to people. There is never been a time more divisive. I mean, I'm in Canada, but when I look at you in America and around the world, there is some divisiveness happening, whether it's with race, race, relations whether it's with um, sexism whether it's with poor and wealthy all there's so much divisiveness and so much anger and so much hatred out there that it is our job as parents to ensure that our children understand what it means to be kind understands what empathy is because they are the future and they know it we they are learning this in school we are teaching it to them at home we just have to make sure we are consistent with that message. So ensuring that we are emulating kindness whenever we can. That also goes into your family. How do you speak to your partner, your husband, or your wife? How do you, when you're angry, how do you react? What do you say? What are the words that come out of your mouth? Again, um, I was, I watched a, I listened to, no, I watched or read a post where a wife was complaining that she, her husband had said. Um, he was going to take out the garbage and then didn't take out the garbage. And this was like on a Friday. And then it was Monday and there was a second bag of garbage by the door to the garage. And she was trying to figure out, well, what should I do? Should I like, I don't want to take the garbage out because he said he would do it, but I don't want to do it. And I'm like, and there were actually some really smart people (laughs) who wrote posts who wrote underneath and said, just either remind him like, Oh honey, would you mind taking the garbage out? without saying, honey, I asked you on Friday to take the garbage out, will you please take the garbage out? Instead of just saying, oh, honey, can you grab that garbage on your way out? We have to remind our children, we have to remind ourselves, we have to remind others, that's normal human behavior. We're all forgetful, we're all in our own heads. We all have things that we're all thinking about. So kindness first, lead with kindness, emulate kindness, teach kindness to our children, so, so important. So that's tip number seven. Tip number eight use your connection as motivation with your children so our love for our children is a powerful tool they want to please us um, because our children we are lucky our children more than anybody else in the world love us more than anybody else in the world Um, i often say to my child you know who loves you most in the world i love you most in the world nobody else because i am positive that there is nobody else in the world who loves my children more than i love them And I want um, and I need and I know that they love me just as much. I know that they do. And I know that that love is a powerful tool that I can use to keep our connection strong in our family. Now, let me be really, really crystal clear here. Our goal is not to shame. Our goal is not to guilt them into doing something by threatening our love or taking our love away from them. That is not the goal. We are not ever, through parenting, trying to shame or guilt our children. Those strategies do not work. What we are trying to do, though, is use that love. Use the idea of respect. So I tend to use that word more. You know, that when you leave your dirty dishes in the sink, honey, what that is showing me is that you're expecting me to put your dishes away. And that's not very kind that's not showing your love for me when you do that. Do you understand that? Those kinds of sentences, those kinds of conversations with our children go very far. You know, when you leave this line around, like, who are you expecting to pick it up? I have a busy day, I have lots that I have to do, and that's just one more thing that you're asking me to do for you when I know that you can do it yourself. I would really, really appreciate it if you did it, please. Those kinds of sentences will take you far. So again, use your connection as um, motivation to help get the behaviors that you're looking for. However, like I said, they're going to screw up. Our children are going to make mistakes all the time. All the time. Over and over again, they're going to make mistakes. And what is most important is that your child knows that you love them regardless of any mistake that they will ever make. Listen to that again. Do your children know that doesn't matter what they do, if they screw up in an epic epic proportion, do they know that you love them? I remember thinking as a teenager that it was in those moments when I screwed up epically and I had to call my mom or dad, they never yelled at me. It was never in that moment. They always just said, okay, here, I'll come get you or here, let's deal with it. It was never... I never worried or I was always surprised, I think is really the real word, when I was a teenager. I was always surprised that when I did screw up and I knew that they would be disappointed in me or angry with me, that they always had a great reaction and they never made me feel that. They know you're disappointed. You don't have to tell them. They know they screwed up. You don't have to tell them. Those really big things, if you've raised your children well and you've worked on this relationship, they know that they've disappointed you. So do not use that moment or don't ever bring it up again possibly um, because they have to know that you love them regardless of what they do okay number nine positive parenting strategy is to raise your child's self-esteem it is our job to be our children's biggest cheerleaders it is where there I like I said I know that I am the person in the world who loves my children the most. That means I am their biggest cheerleader. That means that it is my job from the moment that they are little to be their cheerleader, to urge them on. Now this doesn't mean that I do everything for them. This doesn't mean that I don't have high expectations of them. Being their biggest cheerleader means that I know they can do whatever it is that they need to do, that they can be brave, that they can do their chores, that they can speak in a kind voice. I know that they are wonderful children, wonderful human beings, and that is my goal for them to know that and to pour into their bucket of love and self-esteem to raise them up. That's very, very different. Um, well, let me make this clarification as well. The self-esteem that I'm trying to build up on them are those kinds of skills, I'm trying to build up the self-esteem in that they are confident, their confidence, their self-reliance, their persistence, their perseverance. I'm not trying to build up their self-esteem by telling them, oh my God, you're so cute in that dress today. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, I love, or you're so like, whatever it is. I'm not trying to build their self-esteem in that way because that is going to get you in trouble and that's going to create a child with a fixed mindset what I am trying to do is show them that, wow, you just fell down, but you can get back up again because I know you have it in you. Or, wow, you, um, I love how much that, how much you help others in the family. Or, I love how you went and set the table without me asking. Or, like, you care about the rest of the family. Your empathy is amazing. Like, I want to focus on those skills, those character traits, and I want to build those up, give them the self-esteem that they know that they have those things, because those are what I value. That's what I value in my family. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, that those are the things that you're trying or already have as values in your family. Um, if you're always focusing on the external, on, wow, you're such, you know, I, I be careful about talking about you're so talented. Um, You're so smart. You're so pretty. Those are the words that I would try to stay away from. I try not to talk about... Because those are like... Kids think that they're either born one way or not. And my goal is to grow a growth mindset in my children through raising their self-esteem in those areas, which means I am trying to teach them that you are not born one way or another. Yes, some people have like genetics on their side, but that does not mean that if you work hard and you persevere... That you can't be just as successful as that person in however you deem success to manifest itself. So that's number nine. Number 10 is reinforce the positive. So catch them. This is, again, if I were to give, there's a couple, there's some good tidbits in this podcast episode. This is another one of those. Catch them doing good. That is the goal every day. Catch your children doing good. If you work with preschool children or you work with teenagers or tweens or if you are a coach or a teacher or if you have any um, interaction with kids outside of your own family, that's the number one way to get behavior to change is to catch them doing good. And it's the best way to change behaviors in your house as well. Don't focus on the negative. Don't focus on the mistakes. Catch your children when they're doing good because far too often as parents what we do is we kind of we asked them to do something and then they did not And then we like kind of don't focus on it or ignore it. Or, you know, yes, you might have to start there. And yes, I get it. You ask them to do it. So you expect them to do it. But if you're not at that place yet with your kids and chores or expectations, then them doing it when you ask the first time is a huge celebration. And then as things change, you would modify how you're giving that celebration. But I'm thankful when they're doing their chores. I, you know, if someone did something without me asking, I go over the moon. If I see them be kind to their sister or their brother, or I see that they got right down to their homework after school instead of me having to ask, like celebrate the positive. That is huge, 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 huge. You've just risen, raised their self-esteem by them thinking, yeah, I did that on my own. My mom noticed. It's using all of the pieces that we've talked about already and putting them all together. So focus and bring attention to the positive things that they're doing. Um, This is probably one of the most effective discipline tools you can use in your house. And it does never involves shaming your child or yelling at your child. And isn't that what we're trying to do as parents? We are trying to parent our children with positivity, a present parent in their life right? That was the title of today's podcast episode, 10 ways that you can become a more positive and present parent and strengthen your relationship with your kids and turn that behavior around so that you have a yell-free home, a stress-free home, 80 to 90% of the time, (laughs) because it's not going to happen all the time, but any little bit helps, right? So there you go. 10 tips from today. Uh, first episode back of season two. I hope you're enjoying it. This season, I do hope to bring on some awesome... I have some awesome interviews scheduled with different experts in different fields to also kind of change it up this year and add a little bit of spice to the things that we're talking about. But I'm happy to be back for season two. As always, please go and find me on Instagram, Lazy Parenting, on Facebook. Um, go to the website, lazyparenting.ca, and join the newsletter community. Um, you'll be the first one to get the episode, uh, the podcast episode. You'll be the first one to hear about any fun news. I share tips and trips. I will not spam you. You will get one email a week that is it um and I'm so excited to be back here with you please leave a comment leave a review if you haven't that's what helps my podcast get out to more people again just uh you just click the little thing give it a review hopefully a five-star review and a little comment about how you are finding this helpful for you and your family I love you thank you so much for joining me today and we'll see you next week